I have an intro. <laughs> okay. But it's really TMI. Well, uh, you can tell it and then we can I mean, delete it. Okay, it's not as TMI as it could be, but it's... Caitlin, <laughs> when you tell me that something's going to be really TMI... Here's the thing. I'm really a... worried about that because Here's your standards yeah, are different. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so <laughs> in my opinion, it's not as TMI as usual for me. Okay. So then it's... Let me just tell my be upsetting. Let me just tell my story, and if it's terrible, we can just do another one. It's okay. okay. I've been holding this in literally for a week. Is this a poop story? Sort of. Okay. Poop adjacent. It's poop adjacent. So, um, on Monday, on the Labor Day weekend, yeah. um, Chantel and I came to visit Noel. Thanks for dating this intro. You're welcome. <laughs> we dated all the last yeah. couple intros because last one was the 30 to 50 feral hogs. Yeah, all yeah. of our intros just they have to be dated dates. <laughs> so uh, we went to we went to Noel's because we wanted to get sushi on the weekday. I was really sick and I almost didn't have the sushi, but I did eat the sushi and it was the only thing that made me feel good all day. And then we came back to Noel's house and we watched we like laid in Noel's giant um, marriage bed and we watched um, just like a really bad movie. Um, and then we went home and then I went to the bathroom afterwards. Oh, I don't want to know. And then um, you know I was wiping myself as you do. Mm-hmm. And then I as I finished there was like this long hair. Oh, <laughs> that makes sense. This long devil's hair. It was in my fucking ass crack. <laughs> Noelle's hair. Right in there. Let's not blame this entirely on Noelle. You also do have a roommate with very long hair named Chantel. It was not Chantel's hair. Also, it was light brown. It was Noelle. She is guilty. <laughs> You're right. That's not really much of a TMI. That's not really. I mean, I, it's not maybe. I mean, okay, not think for about, me. Think like, about my standards not of what for I, Caitlin. Right, but what my I could have done. My concern is just that we're going to do this intro and it's going to be someone's fetish. It was according to my plan. I've been planting <laughs> my long hairs <laughs> wherever I can. I know because every day now. I go home and oh. they're like woven between my toesies. <laughs> I know. I've been waiting for this day. Hey, this yeah. is just how it is when you have long hair. Bad. That's real bad. I wake up sometimes and I've got hair in my mouth that's not attached to my head, and it's come from my blankets. You're right. <sighs> that's how it is when you have hair that is a long, majestic mane. If if Noelle and I combined our hair, mm-hmm. we would be unstoppable. It's so true. I could live in there. <laughs> you could. I find like hairs in my we butt crack a... like forty to fifty times a day. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah, I find hairs in my butt crack, too, but they're the hairs that are supposed to be there that grew there naturally. The Lord's okay. hairs. God's hairs. <laughs> hmm. Well, not the hair of a long serpent. <laughs> you know this intro? Huh. I don't like this one. Hey, you know what I didn't like? Finding Noelle's long hair in my ass. <laughs> I'm going to put myself on record as well. Also didn't like it. Hannah? It's going to be a, a, a two Hannah? out of four I mean, dislike. listen. Hannah? As a conversation between us. Hannah? I enjoyed it. <laughs> Hannah? How much? I mean, like yeah, a normal. scale of one to sexy, how much? Uber, a no, normal amount. Uber star rating. How many? One to five stars? Okay, but I give everyone five stars because <laughs> I, like, first of all, you know, customer service is a hard job. I just, like, I just want them to be happy. Hannah? 
you know what? Let's set the scene. You get into your Uber. Caitlin's up there. Yep. They begin telling you a story about a hair in their ass crack. Five stars. Five stars. Loved the story. Honestly, the only way. The only. 30% tip. The only way I would give, like, an Uber driver low stars is if they, like, yeah, like, said something, like, really racist or sexist or, like, actively hitting on me. That's, like, the only way I would give you less than five stars. Yeah. Yeah. So, or if you like shot me with a gun. So, yeah, <laughs> which is basically the same as finding a hair in your ass crack. You so. know what? It's basically the same as hearing the story. <laughs> it really is. Hey, you guys, I think we've made a new intro out of talking about the old intro. So let's play D and D. Yay! wild tangent yeah, i'm did. still cat i'm still your dungeon master uh, uh hello i'm still noelle i remain fran in all ways hello i'm not caitlin and i was never corbin <laughs> oh no <laughs> hi i'm hannah and i've never given an uber driver less than five stars <laughs> and i play slake and neither has Slake. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like Slake has found a way to never give an Uber driver less than 10 stars. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> now I'm jealous. <laughs> like, Slake gives five stars and then puts, like, five-star stickers and is like, these mm-hmm. are Here's for you. God damn stars. it, Slake outdoing me again. <laughs> yeah, buddy. <laughs> well, it's because Slake is <sighs> fictional and has the ability to carry stickers everywhere. That exactly. bastard. But I don't to have be the ability fair, to carry stickers everywhere. Me neither. Me. Last time. On Dames and Dragons. Bong bong. Bong bong. Bong bong bong. Alden took you. Okay, so Alden took you guys out into the woods uh, after a few hours of hard hiking in which, you know, Alden would like pull back a branch and then let it hit you guys in the face mm. and, you know, just being a rude dude. Uh, you guys bitch. encountered a big spider web and three elves who were trapped in it, right. one of which was dead. Unfortunately, you didn't get there in time to save him. There was no way for you to. He was going to be dead no matter what you did. Thank you, Kat. <laughs> Thank you, Kat. Thank you. You've really made us feel a lot better. <laughs> His blood is on your hands. Well, Kat, you want- are responsible. <laughs> I am responsible for his death, and I accept that. I'm responsible for all the deaths in this podcast. That's true. And so you fought some gorillas, and you were like, oh, I'm going to try and free, free these uh, these elves from the spider web. Then there was some phase spider in that spider web. That wasn't great. I loved it. <laughs> uh, so let's see. The elves told you about how things are very, very bad in Ilfra. Mm. They are almost out of supplies. They've been besieged for months. They don't know that anybody's coming to save them because they don't even know if any of their messengers have gotten out. Um, and we sent them in the direction of the boar. Yes. You sent them off to uh, to Varahara. So hopefully Varahara will help them get to the larger army. And that's where we are now. All right, so you guys awake the next morning. It is cold. There is frost on the ground and on the leaves of the trees. Corbin licks some of it off the grass. Mary, like, opens her eyes, sees Corbin (laughs) doing this, closes her eyes again, and pulls over. Fran is, like, sitting up inside her bedroll with it, like, over her head, and she's like, lick the ground more, Corbin. (laughs) Corbin does. (laughs) 
Yeah. It's hydrating. I don't know what you want from me. <laughs> Thirsty when I wake up. I pick up some some leaves and I lick them. <laughs> Alden, uh, he had been gone from your camp when you woke up, and he walks into the clearing and plunks down a uh, vessel full of water. He says it's from the stream. It's clean. Oh. Wow, thank you, Alden. Corbin does not trust that it's clean. I elbow Corbin, and I'm uh, like, that was so uh, nice of you. Do I have detect poison on here? <laughs> what a kind gesture of reconcilement. <laughs> uh, Kat, can I cast, uh, not cast, but I want to do a investigation check on the water to make sure it's not poison. You, yeah, go for it. So 21? It is as poisoned as any crote you have ever made. What? What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> that could be anything. I, well, I trust it now, so I stick my head in there. Yeah, it, it tastes like your crotee. Okay. Mostly into the fact that it is water from a stream. It's With got dirt. some, like, dirt and debris in it, but yeah. it's fine. It's I clean. feel like that's still cleaner than your crotee. <laughs> Rude. It hasn't been boiled, so it's not like a boiled dirt taste. It's a nice, fresh dirt taste. Mm. Yeah, okay. I slurp some up. Yeah. I say... Watch this. And then I, like, make the leaves do a little twirly dance because they're covered in ice. I water bend them around. Yeah. Oh, Mary claps. Mary loves it. I also <laughs> clap. Corbin slurps some water and it dribbles down his face. I add your weird dribbles into the beautiful swirls. Oh. Nice. Al- Alden has a neutral face of displeasure. <laughs> I know that face anymore. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> once you've had something to drink, we should get, get going. We'll eat on the road. Okay. Fine. Sounds good. We're heading towards the nest, right? We can head that way in a bit, but I'm taking you up the ridge. There's a good view of Torva's encampment, just not too far from here. I like scouted a, it out while you are all sleeping. Like of Band Lake, or? Yeah. Oh. Okay. Good idea. I guess. What a military genius. <laughs> Don't push it, friend. I'm, I'm trying to make an ally. <laughs> Right now, Corbin. Okay. I'm trying to scout for information. <laughs> I'm going to be 50 feet up the trail that way whenever you guys are done arguing. I run. Coming. <laughs> Corbin also runs. <laughs> he tries to beat Fran. Mary stays behind pulling up your bedrolls. Oh, <laughs> no. I go back. <laughs> I'm going yeah. back. Yeah, me too. I like bolt forward and then go, ha! No. <laughs> run back and grab my bedroll and I'm like shoving Corbin. it into the bag of holding as I'm running. <laughs> Corbin gets like way farther and then has to run back twice as much. <laughs> all right. So you guys get all packed up. And uh, so Alden leads you up a winding path, which brings you to the top of a cliff overlooking the Ilfra Valley. It is then that you see the true scope of what you're facing. Laid out before you is a huge, dark lake which dominates the valley. Below the choppy waters, you see huge bands of ice which glitter in the morning sunlight. At the center of the lake, there is a pillar of ice, and mist rolls off of it as the sun warms its ever-frozen surface. On one side of the lake, you see the city of Ilfra. It is unlike any city you have ever seen. The city wall is not made of brick and mortar, but instead is one continuous ring of petrified wood, the remains of an ancient, enormous tree, long dead, but leaving behind its bark to protect the city which resides within. You can see over the tops of the wall the remains of towers which have been topples and roofs that have been blackened. 
there are outlines of fireballs which have struck the wall and fell away without damaging it. On the other side of the lake, there are tens of thousands of troops. Their black armor glints in the bright sun and makes them look like ants, pouring over what must have once been a fertile farmland. They have taken over the little town on the far side of the lake, and you see them coming and going from buildings that once housed a cheerful little way station for travelers heading to Ilfra. There are still pennant banners hanging from the town gates, and signs for a festival that would never happen. If you guys want to roll some perception checks, you can learn some more. Yeah. Figure out what you can see. 21. Okay. 7. 14. Okay. Fran, you just feel overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. Like, you're just looking at this going, oh, fuck. Yeah, oh, shit. Yeah. (laughs) Just a big oh, shit. You're kind of too overwhelmed to really take in, like, any actual numbers or where anything is. It's just like the Kill Bill sirens yeah. going off. <laughs> yeah. It's just like yeah. cutting back and forth between the, the campment and you and like your panic face. But Corbin, you are able to surmount your panic. Uh, you see kind of a, a more general view, but Slake, Slake, your mind is sharp. What do my elf eyes your, see? Your orc eyes. The, the military mind that Namavi shaped in those dark caves kicks into drive. All of your training is led up to this. Yes, this moment of looking at a thing. <laughs> well, you know, you actually you have like a brief flashback to sitting on the cave floor with Namavi as she like lays out for you a military battlefield and is like teaching you tactics in the dim firelight at the very end of the night, like this was your bedtime story. It was her being like, what would you do if you saw 10,000 troops in this valley and there's a dam over here? And then you're you're looking out over this and you go, oh, all those bedtime stories are paying off. Yay! <laughs> so you are able to get a pretty good count of the troop. There's about 30,000. You see that there are, in total, 24 apparatus of destruction on the field. Twelve of them are located on boats, which float out in Band Lake. These boats look... They're not exactly like the big pirate ships. They're probably 20-foot-long ships. They are all keeping a pretty good distance from that pillar of ice at the center of the lake, but you can see that they've set up platforms around that center pillar. Like, they're doing something there, but they're not staying very close to it for long periods of time. Hmm. There are 12 more apparatus of destruction scattered around the field. These ones are all mobile. They're on big spidery legs, like the ones that Fran and Corbin saw on the battle on the mountain. There is a field hospital and supply cache in the ruins of the town. You can see them bringing supplies through the, the, you know, once cheerful streets are... You see soldiers wheeling wagons of supplies and bringing in litters of with wounded soldiers on them. And at the center of camp, you see a big centralized tent where lots of runners are coming and going. And there are four apparatus clustered around this big command tent. And that is the lay of the battlefield. Damn, okay. Well, I guess I'll, I'll definitely run all that info by the others. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This sounds like a job for Pass Without Trace. <laughs> Alden is, he's standing a little bit further away. He's waiting for you to process the information he's just given you. Fran is doing so, crouched down with her head between her knees. 
Corbin has no um like visible reactions to anything. He's just yeah. Slake taking notes. Darius has hopped out of your your pocket and he's like helping out taking notes. Hell yeah. Like the grasshopper in Mulan Ugh. where he's like a little typewriter. Incredible. Yep. Yep. He's got just ink in his little little feetsies and Corbin, typing out words. Corbin sniffs the air and catches a whiff of Darius's scent and his eyes lock onto the bug. <laughs> you have a sickness. <laughs> so I'm gonna definitely ask Alden. So Alden, uh, your dad, you know, told us that Bruva was down there, but do you think it'd be possible for him to work with us? Uh, do you know much about him? Alden peers down at the lake and he shrugs. He says, well, I don't know. If the Lord of the Forest thinks that it's a good idea, it might not be a bad one, but what I know about it is that uh, that god's down there for a reason. And that reason is he did destroy the world. The last time that happened. What? Uh, any particular reason why? Mm, Alden scratches his head. Well, I know Torva was involved, and I think that's why why Vivarahara's got the idea in his head that Vruva might, might want to help kill Torva. As I remember it, Torva got Vruva to coat the tusks of uh, one of Varahara's children in uh, poison that kills gods. I, when he set the boar loose to go kill his sister's lover, it killed his sister instead. Why was he trying to kill his sister's lover? So that he could marry his sister. Oh! Oh, maybe, man. Maybe we shouldn't let him out <laughs> of the lake. Just, you gotta love gods. <laughs> well... If I remember, oh. if I remember the story right, he then wept for four hundred days and drowned the world in a great rainstorm. But that's how that wall got to be the way it is. And he points out towards the city. It used to be a big tree, but when the forest was flooded, the inside rotted out. The only thing left is the petrified wood that's now the city wall of Ilfra. So we let this guy out. He kills Torva. Then we have to kill this fucking guy. Fran tips over from a crouched position onto her side, so she's now laying in a fetal position. <laughs> Fran's an egg. <laughs> Mary Science, you should put her on your staff, Corbin. Oh my god, I tried to pick Fran up. I thought it only floated objects. <laughs> Shut up, Slake! Corbin, please make a strength check. Okay. Speaking of eggs, you know that little egg guy that's always like, no, don't bother me. You yeah, good, 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 Gudetama. Gudetama. Yeah. Um, Caitlin's That's first. what Fran is like as Corbin tries to pick this? her up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, uh, that's a 10. <laughs> oh, no, Corbin, you are, you are able to, like, get your arms under Fran. You're lifting with your back, not your legs. Mm. Oh. Uh, and you do hurt your back. Please uh! <laughs> Lift with your legs, Corbin. It's too late. <laughs> uh, Corbin falls down on the ground next to Fran and also becomes an egg. <laughs> I, uh, I turn toward Mary, um, and I say, Mary... What do you think about Bruva? I mean, do you think that sounds like the kind of person we could, or God, I guess, we could reason with? Mary is, Mary's got like this very intent look on her face. Um, and, and now that you're sort of looking at her, you realize that her egg comment was, you know, you guys have trouble like sensing inflection from Mary sometimes. Mm -hmm. She was, she was just sort of absently signing 
but she's got this like intent look on her face and she's staring down at that pillar of ice and she signs whatever's under there now it's not it's not human anymore it's a god mary she shakes her head and and she crouches down at the edge of the cliff and is just peering towards that lake and she signs i can hear him i think and it's just she shakes her head and and gets up and backs away from the cliff and she signs i think torva's trying to get him out I don't know if it'd be better if we got him out or if Torva did, but I don't know that he wants to leave that lake. I don't know that we want him to. That's a good point. He has... It's words that used to be words, but have been said so many times, they're not... It doesn't sound like language anymore. It's... (sighs) She sighs and throws up her hands and shakes her heads and signs, gods! <laughs> you said it, Mary. Man, you really... Uh, Fran struggles to her feet. And Alden crosses his arms and he says, well, if Arahara suggested it, he must have had a good reason to. It's not like him to just throw out suggestions without any thought. Well, no, it is, but <laughs> he must know something else that we don't. We, maybe we could go down and talk to Bruva. You're like, ice fish. Ice fish him. I don't know. It sounds like he might be kind of uncontrollable. Letting that guy out, it sounds like it would just be like a big explosion of energy. Like That's why we gotta go down and talk to him. See what he says. Mary grabs your hand, Corbin. And she, like, to get your attention and signs, Corbin, you could scry him. Oh, shit. Mary! Mary! <laughs> oh, crazy Mary, back out again. I forgot I could do that. <laughs> All right. That's, that's a- awesome. I'll do that then. Um, So I'm going to, Corbin's going to go to sleep and scry <laughs> mm-hmm. some gods. Okay. <laughs> you, you're going to try and reveal the truth about this situation. Gonna see, I'm going to find the truth. I'm going to dig that nugget right out. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, Will, please roll a, a wisdom check and tell me what you want to try and see. Um, and I will tell you what you end up what seeing. What I see. I want to see Bruva as he is right now, I guess. Okay. And what's what his state is like. Okay. It's over 20 by like a lot. Nice. So you're going to get a bunch of information. Corbin, your dream bubbles up slowly into your consciousness. And you are in the bottom of a lake. And it's dark and it's cold and there are bands of ice going out in four directions and you you look around and there's nothing there's no one there's no fish in this lake there are no no plants it's just like an abyss of cold water and then the whole lake pulses and shakes and you see at the center there is a man but it's not a man anymore it still has the shape of one but instead it is something made of sound of energy 
and it is writhing and screaming in its chains. And you look up and you see the point of ice that extends into the lake, which is pointed at the heart of this thing, of this god. And then you are pulled out up through that spike of ice and you are standing on the top of it. And you see everyone's favorite dude. It's Phelan. And he's standing and he's looking off into the distance and at his feet there is a woman. She has long hair that is made of water like Franz. And she is dressed in long robes and you recognize her face. It takes you a minute, but you recognize her face from the statues in Danmar. This is Rove, the rain, and she is chained in cold dwarven iron. And Phelan is looking off into the distance, and he says, Did you make any progress? And Rove just glares at him. And he sighs, and he grabs the chains around her wrist and pulls her to her feet. He says, all right, let's go. And he takes her to a boat, and they get on the boat. And the vision ends. get it again folks uh thank you again so much for sticking with us during our nasty and unscheduled hiatus um sorry this episode's a little shorter than usual but i don't know natural breaking points are what they are and we're easing back into things i guess i will however let you know that the episode that we just recently recorded is probably um the most hogwild recording session we've ever had. Uh, so look forward to that one in a couple of months when we catch up to the buffer. Ha <laughs> ha uh, Anyway, I want to thank our beautiful patrons since last episode. Thank you so much to Tom, Jay, Anna, and Julia. And also to our gorgeous iTunes reviewers, Beast Mode 1234 and Catmints. Thank you guys so much. Actually, also, hey, we reached 600 U.S. ratings on iTunes, y'all. Hell yeah. That was, seemed quick, but I guess I was sick most of the time. So my, you know what, my judgment of time, that's not accurate. But you guys are the best. iTunes reviews or slash Apple podcast reviews, they literally help us so much. And I mean, other reviews also help us, but a lot of those sites get their metadata from iTunes, so... Keep them coming. Thank you so much. And now to tell you a little bit about our sponsors, here's Kat and Rudy. Deep Magic from Cobalt Press for 5th edition. That's now on Kickstarter. Time Magic, Rune Magic, Illumination. More than 575 new and compiled spells by the best in the biz, including Wizards of the Coast staffers and A-list freelancers. In this supplement, you will find new schools of magic, sorceress origins, 
warlock patrons, feats, spells, magic, items, and, you guessed it, more. It's already funded, and it is blasting through its stretch goals, so go on over to cobaltpress.com and check out the Kickstarter for uh, Deep Magic. Beep, 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 This just in. I'm here with your friend and mine, Rudy Basso, the eminent lord ruler of DSPN. And I'm here today with with Mr. Rudy Basso to talk about everyone's favorite D&D Beyond. Yes, it is everyone's favorite D&D Beyond. The D&D Beyond is our most favorite D&D Beyond. I don't love any other D&D Beyonds. All other ones are just pale imitations of D&D Beyond. Agreed. They're like the James Intercasso compared to the Rudy Basso of D&D Beyonds. <laughs> Rudy... James doesn't listen to these ads. We can say anything we want. Yes. Kat, uh, what is D&D Beyond for those who don't know, which is certainly not me? So D&D Beyond, it is a website on the wonderful world of the internet. It is the official tool set and game companion for Dungeons & Dragons, the game that we play on Dames & Dragons. Sort of. <laughs> Allegedly. You can use D&D Beyond to build characters, track campaigns, run adventures, and just look things up on the fly. It is amazing. I know. I agree. And I wanted to share one of my favorite aspects of D&D Beyond. Rudy, please, please. I would love it if you would share one of your favorite aspects. I'm a man of the current times. I don't care for these things called books. I'm a PDF man. Give me them PDFs or digital versions of books. So when I want to buy a new Dungeons and Dragons product, I'm heading to D&D Beyond because I just, I don't care about books. Sorry. I'm past. Hey, save the trees. Save the trees. And one of the things that I love about D&D Beyond is that if I purchase something and I start a campaign and play it with my players, I can share my books with them. So unlike book books, we can be reading simultaneously in D&D Beyond. We can have four, five people reading the same product, the same digital copy. And it's amazing. So basically, one person needs to purchase it, and then you can share it with all of your party members, all of your friends. Really, really convenient and really, really cool. Well, Rudy, that sounds amazing. That sounds like the coolest thing ever. Basically, the coolest thing since sliced bread, I would say. And uh, if, Rudy, if, if I wanted to participate in this amazingness of D&D Beyond, where would I go? What would I do? How would I live my life with D&D Beyond? You would just have to go to dndbeyond.com that's it just go to dndbeyond.com get started today get started today and make your dnd play experience better incredible and last of all a message to chantel chantel the code word is superhuman foods the sleeper agent is active go Corbin wakes up, he like scrambles to the edge and he tries to look to see if he can see uh, Phelan on a little boat out there. Let make a perception check. Okay. Oh, I did good. It was 24. You see the boat that is out by the spike of ice and you see little figures on the deck and you can surmise from your knowledge that 
this must be Phelan's boat. And Corbin, you have yet to say anything to explain no. what's happening. Uh, what kind of animals are around cat? Forest? Little, little bird? Bird, yeah. Little bird around. I'm going to find a little bird. Uh-huh. Um, and I want to cast Animal Messenger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just want to say, I see you down there. <laughs> and then I want to send it to Phelan. <laughs> okay. All right. So you, you watch your Animal ma- Messenger go down. Which I, you have to like say say it to the animal, right? Yeah. Then the animal says it in my voice. Yeah. So oh. we fucking see you like sit up out of a dead sleep, like talk to a bird, say I see you down there, and the bird flies off. Yeah. <laughs> that is what your friends have witnessed. Yeah. Good. Okay. Oh. What you witness as you're staring over the edge of this cliff mm-hmm. is you watch that bird fly down there, and it gets in range. You assume maybe it said something. And then a dagger has gone through that bird and it falls into the water. Oh, (laughs) fuck. What just happened? Okay. Uh, So I turn around. Corbin, what is going on? What just happened? What did you see? Put my hands on my hips. Then take them off because I feel uncomfortable. I cross my arms. (laughs) (laughs) And I say, okay, so here's the deal, guys. Burva's down there. He's like a fucking giant thunderclap and uh he's not like i mean he's like a god but like being kept alive by a force of just something and i think if he comes out he's gonna just thunderclap everybody and um phelan's over there that fucking bastard just he just killed my bird and how does he look did he say anything uh, well, <laughs> Mary like Fran. Mary like re- reach out a hand and like slaps Fran's arm. Yeah, he looked right at me and he said, "How's Fran doing? Is she okay? How's she look? Did she say anything?" Tell him I hate him. Too late. <laughs> Anyways, also Rove is down there and she's in chains. So and he's Rove. Tra- yeah, Rove. She looks like you, by the way. Oh, yes. It's kind of weird. And uh, she's, like, in chains, and he's trying to get her to do something to Bruva. And then he left on a boat, and then he killed my fucking bird. Anyway, somebody hold me back, because I'm about to jump down there and fight that asshole. Fran holds you back. I, like, just move, and I... Your grasp is nothing. Yeah. (laughs) Torva has control of Rove, too? I don't think he has control over her, but he has her, like, prisoner. She seemed pissed. At Phelan specifically, which, who isn't? So they must want to use Rove to get Bruva out. I should mention, too, Bruva also is in chains, and he was, like, freaking out. I don't know. The situation seems to me, like, I got a bad feeling that no matter what people do, he's going to get out, like, eventually. Without interference, how could he get out if he's been down there that long? Bro, he seems fucked up down there. If Rove was free to continually keep him hostage it might be different than him just in whatever binds she made before because it was rove that put him down there right? rove and uh, her sister laliana rove and laliana and laliana is the waves the waves (laughs) mary shakes her head and then crosses her arms and then uncrosses them to sign because she can't (laughs) she can't strike a surly teen pose she signs i don't like this and I don't like that we were told to try freeing him. And she looks over at Alden, who is just looking out over the cliff. Then he looks back at her as he sees that she's looking at him and goes, 
Oh, I'm sorry. I stopped paying attention. You guys started talking about things I don't know about. Do I want to push something? him over the cliff. I'm going to push him over the cliff right now. I hold you back. <laughs> I also hold you back. I struggle weekly. I let go. I, yeah, I get out of France grip, but I, so I'm not letting go. They still got me. Are we ready to go? You've still got a nest to take care of. Yeah, I think no matter what, that still needs to be our next move. Yeah. Maybe it'll help us figure things out. Yeah, let's go just fucking kill some babies. Honestly, that's like what I'm feeling like right now. Yeah, me too. I like, just really want to fuck up some infants. Yeah. <laughs> Slake makes a weird face, but oh. they're bracing their, themselves. Oh. Oh. Alden, Alden makes direct eye contact with you, Slake, and then shakes his head very slowly and starts walking into the woods. Uh, Corbin, Corbin smacks Fran's arm a bunch and says, Fran, 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 do you think we can make some omelets? I think they might be giant eggs. Yeah, we make giant omelets. Mm. Mary signs, if we do make omelets, do you think they'd be safe to eat? I'll eat anything, Mary. That's definitely true. Um. <laughs> uh, Slake, you hear a little whisper in your ear from Darius, who's you know, crawling back under your armor. Can't eat me. <laughs> oh my god. That's right, little buddy. And I give him a little pat. Alright, so you all set off into the woods again, and Alden takes you back down the ridge into the dark tangle of branches and undergrowth. And I cast Mage Armor on myself. Okay. That's a great. <laughs> How long does that idea. last? Is that concentration? Or? Last eight hours. Okay. Oh, you, that's a long time. You good. Uh, as you guys get further down the ridge and back onto semi-flat ground. It's still hilly and, you know, not easy hiking, but uh, you notice that Alden is now stopping periodically to just look at the forest floor. Sometimes he'll bend down to get a better look at something in the undergrowth. Uh, And he predictably does not explain this to you at all. Um, He just keeps, like, holding up a hand to be like, shut up for a minute and, like, listening. uh, What are you looking for, Alden? Shh! What are you looking for, Alden? Oh, my God. What are you looking for, Alden? Shut up! Oh, my lord of the forest. The Kenku are patrolling the area. We haven't been able to get close because any of our troops of boars have been spotted immediately. Oh, I can fix that. I'm looking for tracks just to make sure they're not around. Uh, I cast Pass Without Trace on everybody. Nice. Nice. Alden looks a little bit suspicious about it for a minute, and then after he's, like, sussed out what the magic is, he sort of gives you a begrudging nod, Corbin. Yeah, that's right, Alden. I I can be sneaky. <laughs> I hate the way you said that. I'm being quiet. It's what you wanted. Uh, Mary, like, steps in between, like, just, like, breaks the eye contact like you do with, like, two aggressive dogs. <laughs> I, uh, I, I say to Alden, don't worry, he just always sounds kind of like that. I don't know how you put up with it. Let's go. Uh, hey. please make a stealth check. <laughs> I know it's gonna be fine. I know. But one of you might critically fail, and, you know, those are the times that give me life. Okay. Yeah. Um... <laughs> I got a 24. Oh. I got, I like the way Kat laughed. Somebody crit failed. Um, I got 22. I only got a six, which isn't a critical fail. I would like no, to point that out. that is a 16. Alden got a 24 with passes out of trace. Mary got a 12. Mary. So as you guys are walking, Corbin, sneaky. Fran, sneaky. Alden, sneaky. 
It's like, it's like you get, you get like you stumble on a root and like you're about to like fall and like Corbin and Fran both like catch you and like grab all the plates of your armor to keep them from <laughs> clanking. And as you're like Mary in the back of the line is not paying attention. <gasps> And then she runs into you, and the both of you go tumbling over. No, no. Plates go clanking and clacking. And Mary, she just has this look on her face of, oh no, I have fucked up. Are and you alright, Mary? Mary, um, Mary's I'll, eyes are focused in the trees. I want to I cast invisibility on Mary. You need to cast it on Slake, too, because it was Slake's armor. Oh, yep, yep, I'll cast it on both of you. Uh, so you cast it on the both of them as Mary's eyes have focused somewhere in the trees as a hawk has taken roost there. And Alden just, he sort of grabs both uh, Corbin and Fran and just sort of tackles you two into the underbrush. Right, so we all very like, we sink down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Corbin, just so you're aware, when Alden tackles you guys into the underbrush, he does land on top of you and he does have a hand over your mouth. It is. I stare directly at him. Fran, you have been cast to the side. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like laying on the ground, but I like look over and I'm like, oh. I do not break eye contact and there is burning flames in my eye. <laughs> it's very heated. There's a heated moment There's happening a in the heated bushes. moment. Meanwhile, Slake, you and Mary are invisible but exposed. I lick his hand also. Oh. <laughs> you always do that. You do that in real life yeah, too. Yeah, Master. well. Why are people covering your mouth so much? Think why about do you it. Think? They love to be licked. <laughs> I think <laughs> thanks everybody. Thanks everybody. <laughs> yep, you're right about when, that. When you're right, you're right. Alden does not look like he enjoyed that, mm-hmm. but he is also then why do you put his hand on your Yeah, why do you put his hand on your mouth? Because <laughs> he loves to be lit. <laughs> <laughs> so, Slake and Mary, you are exposed in the center of this pass, but remaining still like baby rabbits. And above you, you see a hawk land on the branch. And then another one. And then there's like a dozen hawks all sitting on the trees around here, looking around, and you see them just swooping low through the trees and... Minute passes, and then another. I keep licking Alden's hand, just FYI. Stop it! Like, I'm like, I'm like mouthing, like, what's up, you guys? <laughs> I give Fran a thumbs up. Like, we having fun. Alden just has like pure burning rage <laughs> on his face. Does he take his hand off? Yeah, no, he because he does not trust Corbin. And he's right. <laughs> I wouldn't speak. When he's right, he's right. What an erotically charged He scene. really just likes to be lit. He's just barrel. Oh All right, God. uh, after what seems like just way too long for Alden, who's having his hand licked, <laughs> um, and is but mere moments for Corbin, who is doing the licking, <laughs> eventually, Mary like squeezes your hand, Slake, and uh, and Slake, you you see the hawks have they take off from the trees and they fly back in the direction that you had been walking, and then uh, yeah, Mary. She presses a thumb to your forearm in a silent and invisible thumbs up, Slake. I don't register that it is a thumbs up, but I I do whisper to Mary, do you think we can move now? She <laughs> continues to press her thumb against your arm. Okay, I'm going to interpret that as yes. <laughs> All right, I pop up out of the underbrush. 
I see you pop up, but you don't see me. And I'm like, where are you guys at? <laughs> We're over here. <laughs> Salden gonna get off me? He sits up and he slaps you across the face, Corbin, and he gets all the way up and he walks away. <laughs> what happened? With his wet hand. What the, did he slap me with his wet hand? Yes, he slaps you with his wet hand. Corbin laughs. <laughs> Corbin's having a great time. What just happened? What? Oh, nothing. We had a moment. We really, I think, came to an understanding. No, we didn't. Turns out this guy loves to be licked. Oh, I don't. <laughs> um. And Alden is just walking away into the woods. Uh, I, I, I run after Alden. I run after Slake. I run after Fran. <laughs> Mary is presumably also following. Fran will release the invisibility on Mary, but not on Slake. Cool. <laughs> we'll just let Slake be invisible for yeah, like the, the next minute. It. But it's yeah. a problem for Mary. So. Um, I, I, I gently tap Alden's shoulder and I go, hey, Alden, it's Alden me. jumps like a foot in the air. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Alden, it's me, Slake. I'm not a ghost. <laughs> um, just wanted to check in on you and make sure everything's all right. Yep. Uh, oh, okay. Um, well, if there's anything you want to talk about. Nope. Okay, well, I'm here. I mean, I know you can't see that I'm here, but uh, I guess just, like, say something and I'll, I'll come over. Keep. Okay. <laughs> that last one wasn't a word. Uh, well, well, good talk. Yep. All right. I, I'm so going to give you some bad. space now. You won't be able to tell, but... Just so you know, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> There's Alden, like, he comes to just a brief halt. He's a bit ahead of the rest of you, so he's able to do this without holding up the line. And you see him just, like, take a minute, look off in the direction towards the camp of the boars. He makes a prayer sign, and then he keeps walking. And uh, so... You continue to make your way carefully through this forest until you reach an overhang where Alden signs to the rest of you to get down low. Mm-hmm. It's I like do. you can or not. You're invisible. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> you can just stand there normally if you want. I'm gonna. Okay. <laughs> There's a 10-foot drop into a basin which has been pounded into the earth that crushing and killing all trees and vegetation in its inception. The Basin is about a hundred feet across, maybe a bit more. Directly below you, there are many sharp stakes which have been driven into the ground, promising a painful death for anyone or anything foolish enough to charge over the cliff edge. These stakes line the interior wall of the pit all the way around. On the far side, there is a gate which has been reinforced with sharp metal spikes on the outside to prevent it from being rammed by the boars. Around the perimeter, you see six Kenku patrolling, and another dozen are within the pit. They are busy tending egg sacs, six to ten feet in height. The outside of these sacks are a firm, semi-opaque membrane in many different mottled colors. Inside the membrane, disgusting assemblages of parts press and shift, showing the outlines of hands, claws, beaks, and more. Two Kenku carefully move one of the eggs onto a cart, pausing each time the thing inside shifts. A third grips the handles of the cart, waiting until the egg is secure, before pulling out the front gate and into the forest. The gate is then securely latched with a 
heavy iron bar. All of this is secondary to the massive hawk at the center of the nest. He is preening, shedding downy feathers the size of bedsheets as he does so. Chained to his talon is Ava, who is perched on a post as far away from Hugen as her chain will allow. And you hear a rumbling voice. Eva, will you not come closer and preen with me? No. And Hugen cranes his long neck around to look at the little bird with one giant eye. You know I keep you here for your protection. To keep you from the wretched influence of the defilers who stole our sister away. Ava doesn't answer him. Just gives a tiny, melodic sigh. Torva was wrong to bring down the island without making sure every last one of those wretched mortals were crushed along with it. I am just doing what I must to keep my siblings safe. And Ava chirps and she puts her head under her wing. Hugen then sighs. He gets up and drags her off of her post. We depart, he announces to the encampment. All of the Kenku scramble to get to their feet and bow deeply as he takes off, creating a wind that knocks some of the Kenku who stand closer to him off of their feet. Some lift out their wings, trying to catch the updraft but are unable to do more than hop a few feet into the air before they glide back down to the ground. And Hugen and Ava take off to the south. job separating player and character knowledge. Hannah, I'm going to give you a point of inspiration. Whoa, I haven't oh done that. God. I have not done that I in cat. literally years. Where's a my what? Cat? Cat. <laughs> Where's my point of inspiration? I'm trying to do better about giving them out. Cat, can we have stackable points of inspiration? Yes. Yeah. I established that as a rule on oh, day yeah, I one. Oh, yeah, you did, but and I, then I And then never gave us enough points of inspiration <laughs> to stack them. I never gave you points of inspiration because I forgot they existed as a mechanic. I love that. I love that. Yes. I don't think Fran has ever gotten one. I, I don't know. <laughs> no, because I literally immediately forgot it was Did, a mechanic. I feel like Corbin got Corbin one. had one once. Yeah. Okay. And I think maybe Leica had one, maybe? Yeah, I think Leica I think like Fran has one. never gotten a point of inspiration. Wow. Fran's done tons oh. of cool shit. Fran's never been inspired. Fran should have gotten a point of inspiration for destroying those bones. Yeah, no. that was awesome. No, that was no. definitely not. Thank you.